So, hey guys, and welcome to my first uh, interview. So I think as some of you would have seen on social media, um, it's something I've always wanted to do. I really enjoy hosting things. I've done a lot in football. Um, recently in the lockdown, I've hosted some events for the Arsenal Supporters Trust. Was also co-hosting a podcast at work. Um, and I always used to have my own podcast as well. So it's something I've always liked to do. But I mean, normally it's always sport related or social media related. And I just wanted to do something different. Um, as most of you will remember, I, you know, I, I along with others, together yeah, a charity gala last October. And it was really cool. I, I feel like I've built a bit of a brand. Let's make a difference. And it's just continuing it, really. So this is an idea I've come up with. It, it's a bit random. Um, but I'll be kind of interviewing people that um, I know, that are, are friends of mine, that are in uh, a wide range of careers, um, a couple of well-known people as well, um, who, who you may even know, and just talking about kind of their highs and lows, their career a little bit, you know, their motivations and stuff like that. So it's not life or anything like that. We'll leave that to, um, to, to other people. Um, but hopefully this will just provide you with some alternative views and, and, and opinions and hopefully get you thinking. So I'd like to introduce my first, I've got some notes here, which is why I'm, I'm looking down. I'd like to introduce my first guest, who is, I met her about four years ago. Um, so I, I turned up to London City Airport where I was on a contract and um, I, I, yeah, she was there the first day. And it was just, you know, I just turned up, sat there, and um, it was someone I met who was sitting to, to my right. I do remember she had a lot of shoes under the desk. She says it wasn't her, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, so I'd like to welcome uh, Kimberly to uh, the stage, so to speak. Kimberly also supported the charity gala as well by doing all the kind of design and the programs and the leaflets. So welcome, Kimberly. How are you? Hello, I'm really good. Good introduction. Was it was it four years ago? Was it that long ago? Two thousand and sixteen. Oh yeah. gosh. Oh, that's scary. That's gone Ooh, very maybe, maybe two thousand seventeen actually. No, no, I I think you're right with twenty sixteen. I think that feels right. No, no, it was it was seventeen. Okay. okay. Seventeen, yeah, because I was at H two before that. It, it was seventeen. Um, ah, well, it feels like it feels like a long time ago, and it also feels like. A month ago, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think was... we've both done quite a lot in in between the time between then yeah. and now. But yeah. I don't know. Time goes faster and faster every week. It's quite scary. It was. It was. It was a fun point of my life actually, because it was one. It was a short job, but I mean, you know, we we were obviously still good friends, and there's so many from the group that we're still in touch with, and we go out often. And it's weird. I was only there for six months. Yeah, I feel like it's that was a bigger part of my life than a lot of the other jobs that I've been like at for longer. Yeah, we were really lucky there because it was, it was a really good place to work. I think in our roles in particular, we could have a lot of fun, but yeah. also the people around us were just brilliant. We just, yeah. I don't know, I think every now and then in, in certain jobs, you get put into a team where everybody just clicks. And I yeah. literally mean everybody, everybody yeah. in that office were like really, really good friends. And yeah. It didn't feel like going to work a lot of the time. It just felt like almost going back to school, being in the classroom and just kind of yeah. doing what you need to do, but also having a laugh all day long. Yeah. It, was, it was really good. It was, it, was quite a, it was quite a commute for me, so trust me, it did feel like going to <laughs> commute. But when we were there, I mean, you know, the, 
going up and down the apron for doing photography and taking pictures of planes and, and really topping up our town, to be honest. It was, I feel like that's probably, that's maybe all you've done in your time there. <laughs> I've done a lot more. <laughs> I was there in the summer, which was great. So it just, it just worked. So, um, yeah. So, Kim, I mean, how are you finding the lockdown and, and what have you been up to? And, and I guess how has it affected you from a personal level, not seeing people, but also from a professional level? Yeah, so um, I think we, we were speaking just before this and I was saying I have been at home now for seven weeks, which is a little bit longer than from when lockdown actually started. Um, so I work at the BBC and a lot of people in my team had kind of naturally started to work from home because of, I guess, all the rumours and the sort of the sort of fear in people at the time. Yeah. So it was um, quite a natural decision to just, right, I'm going to work from home for a few days not really expecting lockdown to seriously happen and obviously rightfully it did and um, seven weeks later obviously still here at home and mm-hmm. um, I have to say I, I as, as I think many people have said of the situation it's very very up and down for me some days I wake up and I'm like Do you know what this is this is fine you know I don't have to get up really early I don't have to commute I should be saving money because I'm yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. travel. And there are loads and loads of benefits and positives you can find from the situation. However, in all honesty, sometimes I do wake up and think, this is really tough, really tough. Yeah. Like not seeing friends and colleagues and just random people that you bump into and have chats with in the office. Because my office is very open plan. You meet people, you meet new people every day, you have conversations that you would never plan on having. I don't, I don't mean meetings, I mean just... In yeah, the, yeah, just like, near the coffee machine or in the lifts or in the exactly, canteen. Exactly, yeah. just going down to the canteen, chatting to the staff and just... Mm. I, I think for me that is the really difficult part because I spend a lot of time on Zoom, a lot of time on Zoom, yeah. um, in meetings, speaking to people and having professional conversations. But that kind of, that chat is really, really missing. So that, for me, I found that quite difficult. Um, I keep seeing, obviously, all these inspirational posts from people running and yeah. workouts and all of this stuff. And oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, glad, well, I'm glad you're saying I'm inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it seems that everybody is running, cycling or lifting yeah. weights on their balconies and all sorts. <laughs> I've, I've tried to do a couple of runs. I mean, I used to run years ago. It's not, not gone well. It's <laughs> uh, not gone well. Do you think people are doing it because it's their only bit of outdoor? They can go out outside once a day and, and one exercise a day. Do you think they're just doing it because they just want to get out? And it's yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think another part of it is obviously the sort of competitive, um, the the competitive part in people. There's loads of you've obviously been a part of some of them. Loads of yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know what you call them, really. Like challenges, I guess. No, yeah, challenges. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I done one of that. That was that was my first five k I'd done in about three months. So just the fact that I actually managed to do it to me is yeah. achievement. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, good. But yeah, I think a lot of it is like being egged on by other people. And if mm. everybody in your WhatsApp group is saying I've done it, I've done it, it's yeah. your turn, you feel sort a bit silly to. if you don't do it. So yeah, um, a quick question about I suppose just before the lockdown, and you know, you said like a week before the lockdown, people at at your place of work started working from home and things like that and obviously you're you're in the heart of London you know just near Oxford Street you know broadcasting house I mean did you feel that fear going on the train 
um, from from where you are, going on the tubes, lots of people. I mean, the fact that you, you're, you're pretty close to Oxford Street. I mean, people are everywhere and were then. Did you feel that fear a little bit as well in that last week? Yeah, I mean, I am, I'm about two-minute walk from Oxford Circus Station, which obviously extremely, extremely busy, so much so that on most evenings, anybody who works around there will know that they often close the station, they close yeah. certain exits and entrances because it is dangerously busy, um, even without something like coronavirus. Honestly, though, I, I don't think I really took it that seriously in the first week or so. I thought, yeah, this sounds quite bad, but it, it just didn't really feel like it was going to escalate as much as mm. it really did. And as quickly as it probably has. Yeah, I, as I said to you, my, my last memory of being in the office, and it feels like so long ago now. Mm, but and it is. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a while. And um, my last memory is, is meeting somebody new who I was going to be working on the project with. And we just naturally just went to shake each other, at each other's hands, which you do in a workplace when you meet somebody new. Yeah. And we did shake hands. And then instantly we were like, I'm so sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, and it was just like, it was just such a strange Reach, reach for your hands and the straight away then. <laughs> yeah, we actually what, got yeah. to a point where there were um, hand sanitizers on each desk. Okay, and wow. I, remember, I remember when that when they first came around, so there's on each desk and then when you're in sort of um, open spaces, like where the lifts are or where the stairs are, um, there'd be a hand sanitizer on the wall. And oh. yeah, so they, they reacted really, really quickly. It was yeah. a great, great, um, great shout from them actually but I remember at first it was kind of like people were making a bit of a joke of it like oh yeah, yeah. you're gonna use the hand sanitizer and then actually it became like give me the hand sanitizer yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really do want to use it yeah. I mean I, I when I was 18 I worked at Heathrow Airport um, I took a gap year I'm not even sure if you know this but I did a yeah I did a gap year before kind of going to university and I worked in security, so screening bags, x-raying people, or x-raying bags, but searching people and all that kind of stuff. And there was hand sanitizer there all the time because obviously you're, you're touching people. So I've always been fairly used to it. I used it a lot. There. It, does play, it does absolutely make your hands dry. But I used to use it daily. So for me, it wasn't massively new. Um, but, it, but yeah, certainly after this many years, adapting to it, carrying it in my bag, in my pocket, like, it was weird. Like the last week I was like, phones, wallet, keys, oh, um, hand sanitizer. <laughs> it was just a really strange time. Yeah, um, I was, I was going to say, obviously, um, you know this, but before working where I work now, I was at the NHS for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, just in like an office based job. Um, and again, like we had hand sanitizer everywhere. You couldn't mm. really walk around a hospital without using it. So it was, I, you know, I feel like it's something we should keep. Like yeah. it's not a bad, yes, it does make your hands a bit dry, but we mm. all have moisturizer and hand cream. Yeah. Um, I feel I think it's a good thing to have like it, it yeah I mean it. hopefully yeah hygiene will will improve after this because we're hopefully not going to go back to just sort of being you know we're going to stay clean I mean a lot of us hopefully work clean anyway but we're going to stay clean well it's this debatable I go on the trip <laughs> every day <laughs> well true true so thinking about your career I mean we've 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 mentioned a few we've got three places there the NHS um, BBC, London City Airport, and I know you were at Barclay Card before that. So they're, they're really kind of big, big kind of companies. But I guess when you were sort of growing up and stuff, what did you ever think about a career in comms? Or was it something you kind of just fell into? Because, I mean, who, who wakes up at 10 years old and says, I want to be a comms person? Like, <laughs> that. Unless you did. 
No, I, I honestly, if you would have said to me, even at 16 years old, would you like to work in communications? I would have probably had a very blank expression and not knowing what it was. Like I, I probably would have guessed that communications was something to do with sort of telecoms or yeah. it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been what I know it is today. And um, I was always interested in media. So I took media in GCSE and for A-level and English. What was it about the media? What about what sort of media? Like, what what did you like? What what does media mean to you at that age? So, so media. So, yeah, good question. So, actually, media in school, media studies, I think it was called, was really about. You've done a bit about like film and sitcoms and kind of TV okay. and different entertainment forms, but really the basis of it was like filming stuff and editing it. So we done things like music videos and I think we've done a news program um, and we've done like the opening sequence to a thriller movie. So it was very like creative and actually getting out there with a the camera, which yeah. when I think back to it now and the sort of cameras we were using, it's embarrassing really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, probably huge and bigger than you sort of thing, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was, it was about getting out there, filming stuff, editing it. I just found that, really exciting actually that was like my favorite part of being at school because it's yeah. actually working on something that you you plan on paper at the beginning and then you see it all the way through and you're involved in every single step um, and I, I really even in my career now I really like to work on something that you can physically show someone and be like yeah. this is what me or my team have created like a charity gala program well maybe yeah yeah <laughs> Would you say you were a, a, a good student at school, obviously? Would you say you, or would you say you were one of those who was maybe in the background, um, not particularly to be there? And honest know. answer. Yeah, honest, please. Honest answer. I was terrible. Yeah. When I say terrible, I mean I really wasn't a good student at all. Like I, I got really good grades. It wasn't like academically I wasn't doing well um but I just didn't want to be there I was very checked out to be honest I was um in trouble a lot and I don't know I was a very moody teenager I think mm. in primary school I was like the model student really happy like loved going to school every day yeah. and then my teenage years hit and I just I was I mean I don't know how they put up with me my parents included in that list like I don't know how they did I was awful that's going to be my next question. I mean, how did, did, did your parents know that you were a bit of a, you didn't want to be there and you were a little bit naughty and stuff? How did they, were they disappointed? Did they get it? Mm, yeah. One, one thing I always was, was extremely honest with my parents. So okay. they knew, yeah, they knew exactly what I, what I thought, um, which was sort of helped along by the fact that I used to get letters home from school. A lot. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so they <laughs> knew, they certainly stuff. knew. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't a secret. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I was quite misbehaved in school. And I mean, now I look back and think, why was I like that? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I literally was a moody teenager and I put it down to that. Mm. Um, did you have like, did you have issues at school? Did you have, or did you have good friends? Did you have, what was, you know, what, what, there must have been a fundamental reason why you didn't want to be there. <laughs> I had friends. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> alone. No, it's so bad. Um, with liking your own company, obviously. No, I mean, I love my own company now, but no, no, I had a really like solid group of friends. It was, hmm. I just, I don't it's know. One of those I, yeah, I think it's just one of those things. I just always wanted to be out there working. I didn't, 
I felt like I could go and get a job now and earn money. I just felt like that was where I should be. And yeah. I felt like, how, how many more years am I going to be in education for? It just, mm. I think for some people it works. And for me, it, it just didn't. Maybe I was in the wrong school. I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you have any, any regrets from, from school? Or like, do you wish you had maybe tried harder or maybe mm. or actually not really? Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I left school. Well, I finished my GCSEs so up to the age of 16, I think. Yeah. And then that summer, I was determined to get a job. And I was like, I'm not going to sixth form. I'm not going to college. I'm going to get a job. Like, I'm going to prove everyone I can prove to everyone I can do this. And I tried my utmost. And I had one interview, didn't get the job. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? Um, so I did. Where was, it, where was the interview? Do you remember? Um, it's for Deutsche Bank. Okay. Um, I didn't get the interview. I can't remember why. Probably because yeah, I was rubbish. I didn't get the job even. I was probably rubbish in the interview. And um, I was like, right, I'm just going to go back to sixth form for a little while. So I did. Started my A-levels. And I'd done it for a year. And same feeling sort of set in. And I was like, no, it's not for me. I'm definitely going to go and get a job. So at that point, I that is what i done. Yeah. And so, okay, so you've kind of... And obviously, it's important to say you, you obviously didn't go to university. Did most of your friends and stuff go to university? And did you feel a little bit like, oh, should I be going? Or did you kind of feel the one who was left out? Because everyone went on to do seemingly big things, but you potentially were, were, were left at home. Yeah, I mean, a few people did. I think um, in my sort of friendship group, I'd say it's 50-50, really. Some, some people did. A few people dropped out after six months a year. And... Yeah, I, I never felt that sense of, oh, I should have done that. I never felt like it was a regret. I'm very much someone who kind of follows my heart, so to speak. So if I yeah. think this is for me, I'll just try it. And if it goes wrong, then I'll try something else. So, yeah, yeah I've never I've never really looked back and thought, oh, I really should have stayed on it before. Yeah. yeah it's never felt like a regret. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, so talk a little bit more about sort of, your career and, and, and what you do. If, if I was to ask you, what is it do you do at work? Like not, not what day to day, but you know, in general, sure. what is your role and what does it actually mean? Cool. So I um, think, as I said earlier, I work at the BBC. So I'm in uh, the radio music department. Uh, and specifically I work in the BBC sounds team. So BBC sounds is our app for music, radio and podcasts. Um, and my role is in internal comms, so that doesn't mean much to anybody who doesn't work in comms. People often <laughs> give you a look like, what, what do you actually do? Mm. So I guess a really, really basic way of putting it is we want certain messages to go out to teams within the BBC. So it's all about our staff. Um, and my job is to sort of interpret those messages into different channels so it could be into an event into a newsletter into an email from our manager director um, or in other different ways and it's about how we get people to sort of read those messages buy into that and kind of live by what we're trying to set out sounds to do within the bbc does that make sense it sounds, yeah, yeah. It sounds a bit vague um, there's loads of different things it's quite a creative role so for instance my boss could say, right, we really want um, younger audiences within the BBC to know all about a certain podcast. So everybody aged 16 to 35, we want them to know about 
this podcast and then I could come up with an idea. Okay, we're going to get the host of that podcast to come in and do a little Q&A with staff and tell them about their life and then I'll have 100 people in a room that will know all about that person. So it's coming up with different ideas, trying to do things a bit creatively um, yeah. and get people around the business engaged in what we're trying to do. And then I guess in that example, then your 100 people might tell another 100 people and suddenly the BBC are, you know, yeah. I suppose as well. I mean, yeah, the- exactly. like obviously we do a lot of marketing. Um, but really, if we can start those messages from within the organisation, word of mouth, as you said, is a really powerful tool. So we need our own people and our own staff believing in what we're doing and knowing what we're doing for mm. those messages to get out there and be believable, mm. really. Okay. And, well, what would you say is your biggest achievement to date? And it doesn't have to be at the BBC. It can be at, you know, any of your companies. But uh, by that, I don't mean uh, like a, a major campaign that landed well. I don't mean it's kind of digging a bit deeper. So, so for example, for me, mine was... Um, at sort of 22 years old, I was given a chance at um, Network Rail. And it was a kind of, it was a new role. And I think people just thought, he's probably the best of the worst. Let's just get him in and get <laughs> on in that. Because it was, social media was just starting there. No one really knew what was going to happen. But then within kind of, you know, a year or two, I, I had a team. Um, I was respected across the team. Everyone knew that. Actually, this guy knows what, what he's doing, dealing with massive incidents across our network. And it was just... The fact that people were telling me that, you know, you're doing a good job and we, we respect you. That, for me, that's my biggest achievement. Not get million impressions or engagement in social media. For me, just something like that was my biggest achievement. What's been yours, would you say? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because obviously you started saying not one of your biggest campaigns or anything mm. like that. And sometimes it can be easy to go to the numbers and say, we reached a million people, like you said. And that yeah. actually, it's not always those things that mean the most to you. Um, I'm going to talk about two things actually. So okay. one of them uh, was at the NHS. So I worked at King's College Hospital, as you know. Yeah. And when I first started, uh, in a similar role to what I'm in now, so internal communications, when I first started, um, I kind of came up with the idea of we should definitely have a staff magazine. We've got all these frontline workers who are not online. They're not on their computers all day. They need something physical. Yeah. And I was shot down straight away and was like, we don't have the money, we're never going to do this. Basically, forget about it, it's never going to happen. Um, and I kept kind of digging away, like, this would be really good, and this would really work, yeah. and, you know, I've done this in my last row, and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, um, designing that first one and bringing it to print and actually receiving, sounds really sad, doesn't it, but when you get the knock on your office door and you get those physical prints of something that you've taken so long to create, that for me, the first one of that was probably my proudest moment. And I'm I'm super sad. So anything that I've um like published in a role, like I always keep a copy for myself, at least one copy. Yeah. Um, we all do that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's sad. But um <laughs> so on my desk out, out in the hallway I have like all of the magazines I've worked on. Oh lovely. Yeah, that was that was a really, really proud moment. I mean just just on, on, on that, I mean you know, we, we talk about that programme you designed for the charity gala, right? And obviously, I'd written some of it. Um, yeah. Other people had contributed. I had, you know, yourself looking at copy. I had another mate looking at kind of copy just to make sure it's all written well. So actually, my contribution to that program wasn't huge. Yet when it came and I got that delivery, I, it was just like, wow! I have, I have this. I project managed it, essentially. I have put this together. Like it was like this is amazing. Yeah. Like, 
it lives out. I know exactly what you mean by them. Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about when you're working on something where you see it from an initial idea in your head. Yeah. yeah. You think, this could happen, this might never happen, but let's yeah. give it a go. And then planning it on paper and then actually designing it, getting something delivered, physical, something physical you can show to someone, we yeah. make this. I love that. Yeah. And what's your second example? You said you. Second example, and um, completely different, would go back to, as you said, when I used to work at Barclay Cards. So I started there when I was about 19 or 20, I'd say, around that sort of age. Um, and I started there as a personal assistant, um, which at the time, and I can so remember actually receiving the phone call to say I'd got the job after the interview, I was absolutely like, so happy I remember genuinely pretty sad story but I remember genuinely getting off the phone and like doing a little lap of my living room <laughs> and like, oh my god he got the job it's so good like it was an amazing feeling it's a proud moment yeah. yeah before before that I was a receptionist so going from receptionist to PA was like the next natural step but it yeah. felt like a really big step up because it's joining a huge organization yeah. I never ever thought I'd get the job and I did and it was an amazing moment um, and I'd done that for a couple of years. And then um, someone in the team I was working sort of next to was leaving. And I always had sort of fancied her job. I thought, that, that sounds really good. So she was a copywriter. So okay. she was um, writing basically the words that went onto the website. Um, and she also done like our staff newsletter. Um, so kind of designing it, getting the stories, writing it all up and sending it out. I thought, yeah, I really like the sound of that. That's, that's, I always look at her screen and think, oh, that looks cool. Like, what's she up to? And then I knew she was leaving. I think she was actually moving to Spain. And I was like, how how can I get involved in that? So I had a little chat with her, and she was like, you could totally go for this job. And I was like, oh, I definitely can't. You know, I don't have any experience. And, like, why? They're not going to let me have a job. I'm a PA. Like, it means nothing to copywriting. Um, and... Then, yeah, and then I started, she was like, oh, I'm going to, like, show you what I do. So I wrote, like, one of the newsletters um, before she had left and obviously told my boss that, look what I've done. Um, and then when the job actually <laughs> came up um, as a vacancy, went for it and, and got it. And if it wasn't for those conversations that I had with her, that would never have happened. Yeah. Um, I need, need a little bit more of this. Give me a second. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it was your birthday a few days ago, so... <laughs> Birthday, obviously, again, but you uh-huh. deserve it. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I was just saying, if it, if it wasn't for those conversations, I would never, ever have applied for that job because in mm. my head, I would have told myself, I have no skill for this, no experience. They will never, ever allow me to even have an interview. Oh. Hey, are you still in touch with that person who gave you that advice? And... No, I mean, she wasn't like a close friend or anything. We have each other on social, but mm. okay. yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it, some, it's potentially when you look back, it's someone who made a huge difference in your life without maybe being it at the time. It's something you, I don't know, I wouldn't go as far as saying you owe them, but obviously you, you, you've, you've, you're grateful to them, right? Like, you know. Yeah, I, I would say actually thinking back to that story now, it was, it was her that kind of gave me a few tips, but also her, her manager okay. um, who used to um, work in the London office like once or twice a week. And I yeah. remember speaking to her and um, when I started picking up some of this stuff for the newsletter, she gave me some like brilliant advice. Um, and I'm still in touch with her, and she, she made a huge impression on me. And like, it's funny because when you when you move around to different companies, there are certain people that you remember that you learn yeah. so much from. Yeah. Um, and she would definitely be one of them. Like, that was my first sort of role in writing and sort of creative writing and engagement yeah. and, and stuff like that. So it was, um, yeah, there are certain people that really 
you you feel it when you're with them and when they talk to you and you're like oh I didn't know that and like things stick in your mind and mm. it's, it's funny in it's funny now that in my work life I really really appreciate stuff like that whereas back in school for whatever reason I didn't yeah. are you are you sort of I guess do you look back with pride thinking that you know you you, you didn't do well at school I don't mean academically but just for whatever reason it wasn't for you you sort of left after GCSEs, you gave it a go again, didn't quite work out, didn't go to university, were, in your own words, just a PA before you said, you thought, why would I get the job? I was just a PA. But now you've worked for some, you know, huge organisations in a role that is really, really important. I mean, I saw firsthand how, how good you were um, and, and certainly enjoyed working with you. Um, but, yeah, would you look back and think, you know what, I'm actually, I'm really proud of that, how, how I've done, because it wasn't easy at times. Do you know, it's a funny question because it's something you, you get asked in interview a lot. Like, it sounds really, really um, forward, but a lot of the time when you get interviewed for, for different jobs, they will say, so, so how did you do this? You don't have a degree. You didn't, get, I didn't even complete my A-levels. How, how did you do this? And it's a really awkward thing because, I mean, it's just a very awkward question to answer, like, are you proud of what you've done? Because it feels very um, big-headed almost, I guess. But yeah. I wouldn't say that it's like, oh, I'm really proud of what I've done, but... I'm glad that I made the decisions I made because they were right for me. Like they wouldn't have been right for everybody. And certainly if I think if many people left school at 16, 17, when I did, maybe they would take a very different path. Mm. But I mean, yeah, I think sometimes luck comes into it, but a lot of the time it's about seeing opportunities. And for instance, the story I told before at Barclay Card, if I hadn't seen that opportunity, I would never have, you might not now. Never have even considered doing mm. that without having those conversations. So I think whatever workplace you're in, it's your internal network, i.e. the people mm. you work with and that work in different departments around the organisation you're in, it's so vital that you actually make friends, have those conversations, get involved in projects that you wouldn't naturally be involved in. So sometimes mm. it's just as easy as asking, oh, what are you working on? Oh, that sounds really interesting. Can I get involved? And sometimes... Yeah those friendships, those projects, those conversations you have can absolutely change your future. And that's what I've seen happen to well, that's me. That's what happened, yeah. So it talks about highs. What, what's, what's a big low? And it, again, I don't mean a campaign that hasn't worked and stuff. I mean, you know, I, I tell you mine, it was, I mean, you, you'll remember, obviously I left London City Airport and I went to work at another company. I don't know if it's the name of the company, but... I went to work somewhere. I was I was quite happy about it. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but when I got the call to say I've got it, you I think you were the first person I saw clearly sitting next to me. And I think you saw how happy I was with the smile and stuff. And sort of after a month there, I, I realized it, it wasn't it wasn't for me. And it was yeah, it was a little bit weird because that never happened to me before. And then, you know, I, I probably wasn't doing too well. I had a few sort of personal issues with kind of um, my granddad was in hospital at the time and looking like we were going to lose him, but, but but we didn't in the end. But so it, it was, it was, a, it was a tough time, but it, it was a case of like, I knew I wasn't doing well. They knew I wasn't doing well. And it was just like, this isn't going to work. So, I mean, obviously ultimately I left, but I mean, it, it wasn't really a left. I, I, they were, I wouldn't have passed probation. I mean, I, in my eyes, I was sacked. Like it was, you know, it, it took me a while to admit that, but, but I was, and I left without having a job and, and stuff like that. So I was, I was pretty low then, you know. I mean, it, it worked because I got, you know, I'm at Thames Water and, it, and it's been good. But 
have you experienced a low like that where you really doubted yourself and thought, shit, am I doing the right thing here? Mm. I I think what you've talked about there, it's really important to realise in everything in life, not just in work, but in everything that we do, not everything is going to be a success. Sometimes you start something thinking it's going to be great and it turns out a little bit rubbish. And actually, if things like that didn't happen, life, it wouldn't be normal. You know what I mean? I don't think, I think all of us have, have done things and not, they've not really reached our um, expectations. So yeah. it's not a bad thing. I think, um, I think one time that was, a, it wasn't a huge low, but maybe just a bit of a reality check and a bit of a time to think, what am I actually doing here? Um, was when I got made redundant. That was quite a... Um, from Barclays Card, right? Yeah, so that was from Barclays Card. So I was there for, I think, roughly three and a half, just under four years, something like that. Um, yeah. And it just yeah. so happened the project that I ended up working on was about, I think about 150 people in the team. Um, everybody was made redundant. The project we were working on was going nowhere, basically. And uh, we, were, we were losing money and it just wasn't feasible to carry on anymore. So everyone was made redundant. And at first, I, a lot of people found it really, really sad. And actually, I thought, well, this is actually, this is okay. Like, you get some time off of work and <laughs> pay out. And, you know, it's not, they're treating us quite well. It's not that bad. But then I remember, like, I had about six months off of work and just thinking, like, what about if I can't get another job? Like, what am I going to do here? So it's right. Did you have six months off because you couldn't find a job or did you have six months no. off choice? Yeah, no, six months off kind of um, set by the rules of the... Okay, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not by choice. Yeah. Um, although if I had that choice, I probably would have taken it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I remember like, I remember at the, at the beginning, beginning of the six months thinking, this is great. I've got six months off. I don't need to do anything. Like, this is amazing. And then like two, three months passed. Well, yeah, this is still quite good. Going to like, the fourth or the fifth month, I thought, I haven't done anything. I haven't even updated my CV. Like what, what, what about if I can't get a new job? And then the kind of panic set in. Um, of thinking, you know, I need to pay my rent, I need to pay my bills, what am I actually going to do without a job? So that was, I wouldn't massively call it a low point, but just a bit of a, um, bit of a wake up, like you need to get, yeah. your, get your gears, you know what I mean, you need to get into gear here and like, do something about this. Yeah. Okay, cool. And what motivates you? What, what, what gets you out of bed every day? What, 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 you know, why do you get out of bed every day? And then I guess, do you have days where sometimes you just don't want to get out of bed, maybe? I don't know. But what, what kind of, what motivates well, you? I've just had a week off of work. I had some annual leave that I needed to take. And let me tell you, I have not got out of bed that much. <laughs> but uh, generally, like normal working week, I think for me, what gets me out of bed is I have an amazing team. Like, it's not that we're all really, really close and we're best friends. It's not like yeah. Like when we worked at City Airport, for instance, it was very much like mm. that. Not the same as that at all. But there's so many people in my team that I really admire. And like we'll sit in meetings together. Like we have our team meeting every day on a Tuesday. And I just actually really love listening to people and learning from them. So now, in complete contrast to when I was a child in school and a teenager, and mm. um, I just love learning from people and hearing what they're up to and hearing the different things. And I think obviously a huge advantage of working somewhere um, like where I do now is all of their output I get to see or hear on TV, on radio, 
um, online and websites, whatever, and social, I get to see all the things that yeah. we're talking about. So they'll be saying, oh, we're working on this new podcast and we're talking to this person. And then a couple of months pass and you actually see it's been published, it's been broadcast, people are talking about it on social. And for me, that's really exciting to be like, yeah, I didn't make it, but I was in that room and had those conversations. Country, so. Yeah, like you're, you're part of the picture behind the scenes. And for me, that's the real mm. forever. Yeah. And do you have bad days when actually you don't want to do any of that? And actually, it, not not the week off type things, but just days when you think, hmm, don't really want to do this. Absolutely. I think work related to such, but you know, whatever. I, you know. I think if anybody said they don't have bad days where they don't really want to go to work, I mean, I wouldn't believe them, would you? <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah. I think everybody. Yeah, uh, how have you dealt with them, I guess? What, what do you... Yeah, I, I, was good. I think everyone has bad days. Sometimes sometimes you can work on something and you put your heart and soul into it and somebody doesn't like it or somebody completely changes it. Um, in the sort of work that I do, that, that can happen loads. So you can sometimes spend a whole day, say, writing something um, for somebody to review it and be like, no, I've rewritten it. And when you first start in a role like mine, you'll, you'll find that so harsh. And you'll be like, I've, I've really, really put everything into this. I thought it was really good. You know, I thought there might be a couple of um, errors or something, but you wouldn't expect somebody to rewrite it. But I think things like that can be a bit of a hit. And you think, like, you think, oh, I'm rubbish at my job, and you really doubt yourself. But actually, like, it's just, it just comes you do. Do you find that in yeah, your... That was going to be my next question. You said... No, I was going to say that you, you kind of said you doubt yourself. How do you over that? How do you stop doubting yourself? Yeah, I think for me, there are a few different things, actually. So sometimes when things go wrong, I think it's really important to just step away from what you're doing for a minute, reevaluate what how meaningful it actually is. Because as much as we try to separate kind of work and emotion, sometimes you are emotionally attached to something you've worked on. You, yeah. you really care about it and you think you know everything and you've, you've really put your heart and soul into it. So sometimes just stepping away, going and have a tea or a coffee or whatever, and just thinking like, what do I actually need to do here to get to the end result that I'm trying to achieve? Sometimes I think that's the best thing to do. Also, another thing I found is just having really, really honest conversations with the people that you work with. Um, so that can be friends you work with or it can oh. be your boss, your manager, whatever. And um, I found that quite recently in an event that I had worked for months and months and months together. And um, I just felt like my, uh, it's not my line manager, but sort of the MD of my area. I just felt like he wasn't very happy with it. I just, I, I mean, we know each other fairly well. I've worked with him for about eight months now. And I just got this overwhelming feeling that he really was disappointed in the whole day. And it really, it really kind of um, bugged me. And I thought, he hasn't said anything. Why hasn't he said anything? Like, do you know what? I'm just going to go and ask. Because it kind of goes back to that saying, like, if you don't ask, you don't get. So if I don't ask for the feedback, I might not get it in this situation. And if I don't get the feedback, I'm never going to be able to improve. So I put in like a one-to-one news diary and I just, outright said like I feel like you're not very happy with how the event went so I'd really love to know like what you think 
um, and just had a really honest conversation with him. And he said like what he was really happy with, what he thinks could have gone better. And now I know for the next time what to do. So did, you, yeah. did you question if it was the right thing to do to actually ask that question? Did you doubt, did you think actually I'll just leave it or you wanted to do it? No. So, so funnily enough, I said to um, someone who's quite a close friend at work, I said to her before, like, do you know what? I'm just going to ask him because I know, yeah. I, I know he's not happy. I'm just going to ask him, like, what's the worst that can happen? And she was like, oh, are you sure? But like, yeah, like, why, you know, just, like, I'm allowed. In fact, that sounds like you. It sounds totally like you. So. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, in, in life and in work, I think most of the time, pretty much all the time, the best thing to do is just have a conversation and be honest about it, right? Yeah. Like, the worst, very very worst that could have happened in that situation is he said to me i didn't think it was very good you should have done better that's uh, the very worst that could have happened and yeah. i was like okay a bit harsh but you know i'll get over it that didn't happen we had a really long conversation about everything that happened in that day and what we want to do the next time he was really encouraging and really supportive i always think an honest conversation is the best thing yeah i agree and i think not just at work but in relationships friends family i think it probably always is yeah. what's it now you know you're what 28 this week um you, yeah you know you've worked for some big companies and stuff like that but i mean what what's the dream you've still got your whole career in front of you unfortunately for maybe for you having to go to work every day but <laughs> what's the what's the dream Ooh, the short-term dream the short-term dream is <laughs> to get out of lockdown well yeah um, getting out of lockdown helps <laughs> yeah and you know what it sounds really sad but i i cannot wait to get back to the office i, I actually yeah. like physically like the office is just a really nice environment to be in and just all the people there i genuinely miss so much so i i can't wait to go back to work yeah. long term it's a difficult it's a really difficult um question because i've never really known what i've wanted to do I, th I think long term, as long as I stay within a creative role where I can sort of come up with new ideas, try new things out, I'll be happy. So long term, yeah. it's very, it's very open ended sort of for me. What are you? Are you the type of person that I don't know, wants to win an award in your industry? Wants to see something um, on the you know, a, a magazine go global or national? I mean, whatever. one of my campaigns did win an award last year, but. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that stuff is nice. It's a nice boost and it gets you some recognition. That is good. But I don't know. I just, I'm, as long as day to day I'm more happy than I am unhappy in a role, then it's all good for me, to be honest. Fair enough. And what's, what's one tip you would give someone who's, I think, I'm going to ask this question to everyone, but I think I'm going to pick a moment in their life, right? So the moment I'm picking in your life is you've done school, you've left after GCSEs, you've gone back to A-levels, haven't liked it, haven't never liked school. For me, that was your, that was your moment, right? That was, you could have gone either way. You could have gone left or you could have gone right. What's your one tip for someone at that moment? So someone potentially in the same shoes as you hasn't done well at school, doesn't really like it, had a bit of trouble, um, doesn't really know what to do, universities out the question. What, what would be your one tip? It's a great question, actually. It's hard, to, it's hard to single it down to um, to one to one point, but I would say, and it sounds super cheesy, but I would I believe in it. Always believe in yourself. Like it's very easy to have imposter syndrome and think, oh, I can't do that. Why shouldn't be doing this? I'm not good enough. Forget that. Like 
if you want to do something, 100% you can achieve it. It's not Things don't happen overnight all the time, but just put your heart and soul into things and you can make them happen 100%. Ah, that's a that's a a nice answer, I guess, and that's I think a lovely way to end as well. So, Kimberly, thank you for first being my first person and being a little bit of a guinea pig <laughs> <laughs> to make sure it works. But I, I really do, I think, respect your honesty, respect your answers. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I I probably never said this, but I respect your career. You know, working next to you for. <laughs> six months it was like yeah she does the magazine or something like that like you know what I mean but I think it shows that you made a difference everywhere you've worked and I think actually looking over your shoulder I can see the leaving gift it was because the, the staff magazine at London City Airport was Kimberly it was everyone knew it was, it was Kimberly, who, Kimberly who wrote it Kimberly who got the pictures it was your magazine. So that was kind of your legacy, I guess, at London City. And I'm sure you've left legacies everywhere you've worked. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for being the first. And um, stay safe, I guess. Stay safe, stay home. I mean, hopefully we won't be in this forever. Um, we'll be back as a, as a group meeting up and doing what we do, which is often long nights out. <laughs> we will be there soon. So thank you. Wicked, thank you for having me and uh, stay safe.